From the highways and the byways of sleepy Somerset in England, welcome to Spike's Podcast, where we reflect on the joy of running amidst the joy of life. Good morning, and welcome to an episode of Spike's. It's the 23rd of March, 2020. We live in strange times. And strange enough that I feel a need to return to the microphone. Actually, as much as anything, it's probably because I feel I've got time to edit the recording. But anyway, I feel way out of practice for doing this. So I hope you'll forgive a lot of stumblings. But we'll try and get something down on recording today. Well, firstly, I think I want to say... Hello to everybody again. Those of you who I've come to know over the years and who know me, I'd simply like to say that um, I hope that you and your loved ones remain well. I suppose we're soon going to get to know people who have suffered from the viral infection. Um, it seems that many survive, but we know that some will not, and this will be a painful time for many individuals and communities. Now, I don't want to make this podcast just about the wretched COVID-19, but inevitably it's at the forefront of our minds at the moment. However, let me just say that I'm sorry about the traffic noise. You might be surprised by the number of vehicles moving around, but let me explain my situation. It's a bright, sunny morning. I'm here in Yeovil still in Somerset, and I'm walking. And the reason I'm walking, and indeed I have been doing a lot of walking for about the last four months. Um, The essential reason for that is that whilst I would like to be running still every day, my, particularly my right knee joint, is becoming increasingly painful and I'm finding it more and more difficult to sustain a good running program. And um, a few months back, as I say, I wanted to maintain my level of fitness at some point. And um, I thought, oh well, what am I going to do? I've got my rowing machine still, but I do find that a, a just a difficult way to exercise, quite hard work to be quite honest with you and I know that's a good thing but um, it's just not the same as moving around on my legs feels and I happen to be listening to an interview with Stephen Fry who many of you will know, a British actor and comedian and uh, a great user of language 
and he was speaking about um, the fact that he had lost weight quite consistently and the main reason for that was that he'd um, discovered audiobooks and this meant that he could happily walk and he was walking seven miles at a time happily walk and involve himself in audiobooks um, and this was a great way that he was finding to to exercise and lose weight well like many of us at my more senior year I took to getting up in the morning and walking I walk each morning between well a minimum of three but normally four to five miles each morning um, through the winter hasn't been a particularly tough winter in Britain but it has been very wet but you know with a set of uh, reasonable headphones on been losing myself in this world of of books and I love books I, mean, I absolutely love reading I love gaining knowledge and experience and and thoughts and so um, I've always been something of a slow reader you know I can't speed read I can get through you know the average novel it takes me about a month of reading because I've never had enough time to read so um, so the idea of audiobooks, I don't know why it took so long to catch on to the idea really, the thinking. I suppose a bit of the, uh, what should I say, the purist in me always felt was not really reading. But actually, I'm still, now I'm doing it, I'm finding that I'm absorbing the story, the information, whatever it is, and um, it is enriching. I've listened to books narrated by the author. I've enjoyed that immensely. I've listened to some narrated by professional narrators and they are equally excellent. Um, I think there's a subtle difference between the two. I think the narrator um, where it is the the author uh, gets all the subtleties of what they were trying to say when they were writing but uh, as a professional narrator they are experienced at doing this work and, and equally they conveying their th the thoughts very well so that's why I've not been doing as much running in reason. I haven't stopped completely. I still try and do a little bit just to get the heart rate up occasionally. But you know, I'm walking at sub 15 minute miles, so yeah, it's not like I'm dawdling. I'm having a reasonably lengthy stride here. And uh, the other advantage, if you'll call it that, is that it does mean I have enough breath left. <laughs> To be able to talk to you on this podcast recording. Um, 
so why so long since I last put a spikes up gosh there are any number of reasons aren't there I think essentially in the end of uh, coming to the end of the series of spikes I was beginning to wonder if I was saying anything worthwhile I suppose was I just indulging my uh, pleasure in talking to myself and was it of any value to anybody else um, many of you were very kind to say that you continue to enjoy it but you know it's a strange a strange medium because uh, you don't get any instant feedback and yeah. oh dear I'm reeling to feel quite immodest here I suppose in the sense that you know I can imagine you know a performer wants to feel that sense of um, connection with the audience so I don't know. I don't know if that was the real reason I stopped, or if that's just what I'm rationalising at this point now. Um, there's also the whole process of recording and editing, which takes time. And I did find myself quite busy on a number of other projects and areas, and so you know the time became more difficult to spare. Um, for whatever the reasons, I found it just drifted away. Once you've stopped doing it for a week, and then a fortnight, and then it's a month, and then it's then it's a year, and it feels quite hard to come back to it somehow. Yeah, here I am, jabbering away like a, as we used to say in the navy, jabbering like a three-badge budgery guy. Um, which will make sense to very few people, but it was quite an eloquent way of describing somebody being very talkative. I wonder what others make of my talkativeness in this medium. People who know me well, I'm really quite a quiet person. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking about all the times I speak up in meetings and others might say he's far from quiet. But, you know, in, uh, in social discourse, I enjoy being part of a conversation, but I'm equally comfortable sitting back and listening. So, there we go. This, this talking to a little red dot of a microphone stuck on my running cap. That just feels a comfortable way of communicating for me. I'm quite surprised that I've slipped back into it so readily this morning. When I set off, I thought, mm, am I going to have anything to say? Well, it seems at the moment as if the answer might be yes. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I've swung and veered a little bit in my conversation. As I say, you're still hearing traffic um, here in Yeovil. Well, down in the southwest in Somerset, the number of confirmed cases of COVID is, is quite low. 
one of the lowest in the in the UK as a region and I wonder if it's lulling people into a bit of a false sense of security I mean the traffic is not as busy as a normal Monday morning there are people walking around like myself exercising pets some going to work some I guess like me with questionable reasons for actually walking but I've noticed that we are increasing the distance between each other as we pass um, people in their cars um, they will be going to work now it's around quarter to eight in the morning um, some work is continuing some work is having to continue really to keep us fed watered with power um, with essential services and like many in Britain I would say most people in Britain most people across the world I feel immensely grateful to all those who are carrying on with their work despite in some situations it being relatively more risky and yeah particularly with um, health staff and shop staff who are necessarily having to be relatively closer to people but there is a a certain uh, I think disbelief amongst people that this is going to affect them um, I think as I say because the infection rate is relatively low in our area here but right across Britain we're seeing people over the weekend now it's just gone I know really having very little regard for the social distancing rules that have been requested by the government uh, I think they're going to have to be a bit more strong-armed than they are at the moment about this I think they the essential problem is that people generally haven't yet grasped what this virus is going to do to our health facilities. Um, there'll be many people across the world with different health facilities. Um, the British National Health Service free at the point of use is something of which most Britons are immensely proud and grateful it has over the last 20 years or more suffered uh, from successive cuts um, it's a very expensive system to put in place it's funded through a taxation system in the country um, and in some areas it has struggled to cope even before this virus um, I know in my work dealing 
with the funerals of people who in some cases have come to the end of their life within a hospital setting or under medical care some families I'd have to say have felt let down others have had nothing but praise and gratitude so it's been a mixed mixed bag uh, for Gina and myself you know those of you who listened in the past we both confronted significant health issues um, Gina has well she had a melanoma to start with um, a skin cancer which fortunately was spotted early on it was removed and that seemed to be the end of that but um, she has had breast cancer more recently and uh, generally I think we would say her treatment for that has at least been successful in ridding her of the disease as far as we know now it's um, radical surgery was involved um, and you could probably sense from my voice that were some very good and some less good elements to that I think in the end we can only be grateful that she is now fit and well again um, my bowel cancer which uh, was discovered right at the end of 2013 well I've now gone through the five-year review period had my fifth year colonoscopy in 2019 and I am clear of cancer as far as the uh, medics are concerned and that's that's what I take um, and you know I've no further problems uh, yes I have a have a colostomy um, but that's simply part of my life now uh, it's manageable doesn't stop me doing any of the activities I've enjoyed over the years so I consider myself extremely fortunate extraordinarily grateful to have had a top surgeon as my consultant and his team and of course his team that's an interesting point that's perhaps become more obvious to many now is that that surgeon was part of, I was going to say the top of, he was part of an enormous team and in the theatre there were some very specific people involved his registrars and other doctors, anaesthetists, theatre staff um, but of course they were supported by an array of other professionals 
who I never got to see, uh, people working in laboratories, people um, <coughs> concerned with other elements of my care. You know, I had to have you know, nutritionists and people like that coming along to talk to me about what I should be doing and stuff. And of course then there's the whole nursing and caring staff, um, some of whom, I have to say, work even then worked ridiculous hours and their pay was questionably low for what they were doing. And then there's the cleaning staff. Well, I don't think we've ever thought of them as more important than right now. And they just happily and willingly carry on each day keeping our medical facilities safe. The porter staff, the kitchen staff, the management. You know, it's, it's very easy to, to knock the management of the NHS. Oh, they spend vast amounts of money, they get paid vast amounts. Well, I don't want to get into the argument of that, but all I want to say is, if we didn't have a team of managers, and procurement staff and people making complex decisions then I could have had the best surgeon ever in the history of the world and it wouldn't have made a jot of difference because there wouldn't have been the whole infrastructure in place to make the procedure I had safe. So let's just take a moment to, to say thank you to everybody who looks after us and I mean everybody involved. Every one of them is valued and they should have been valued a damn sight more over the, over the years. <coughs> um, so, I'll just tell you something about uh, this exercise regime then, which is, so very simply, going for a nice long walk most of the time. Um, the great benefit, oh, I must tell you about Gina's exercise as well, because that's an important part of this particular element of the story as well. Um, I think I've spoken to before that Gina is fit and well, uh, but she has really since, I think since about the second child, her, her back has been a little more fragile and she has over the years suffered with with back pain um, I think her work as a veterinary surgeon exacerbated that problem because she spent a lot of the time leaning over operating tables lifting heavy pets and things, um, you know, various different tasks that meant that she was stressing her lower back and it has been a source of discomfort for a long time. So anyway, um, what had been about 18 months ago, Gina decided we'd always enjoyed when we were on holiday, we'd always try and find hotels with, with swimming pools because we'd like to swim. Um, and 
she decided, I was about 18 months ago, to, to seriously um, start to swim in terms of giving time and, and energy to it. Time being the key factor. Um, so she started to get up <coughs> seven in the morning, cycles two miles to a local swimming bar pool that we have here in Yeovil, um, and swimming. And then cycling back, and then she would run or walk run, not oh, bad. Uh, a mile and a half up our hill and home. Yeah, and this spent, by the time she finished, she was dedicating about two hours a day, you know, more than that. Yeah, uh, about two and a half hours a day to exercise. Now, fortunately, of course, we've, we've effectively uh, retired, or at least semi-retired. You know, I don't work every day. Um, and Gina has retired from veterinary work. So it didn't mean that, that we had time to extend our exercise regime a bit. And um, so Gina was swimming lengths of the baths, a 25 meter pool. Um, and for the last few months, she's been swimming a mile a day. You know, so her back is much stronger, much less painful, and um, she has enjoyed the benefit of that no, no end. So this year, um, with her swimming and my period of walking, I think, we, we took a skiing holiday again in Austria. Um, in terms of the distance covered, terrain covered, and I think just sheer enjoyment, we skied better this year than we've either of us have skied for a number of years, a great number of years. And we came back from that holiday really enthused by the, the enjoyment we got out of skiing. So much so, that we've both finally replaced our old ski pants, which we kept saying, well, we only ski one week a year, and yes, they might have the old tear in, and they might be a bit baggy and tatty now, but is it worth replacing them? Well, blow me down, this year we thought, yes it is. So, the benefits of exercise. Um, I'm now on a quieter path, so you haven't got the wretched noise of the traffic. I hope this recording is usable. Uh, got to get into the whole notion of editing again. And that's another problem, isn't it? You know, I, I love using Apple products. I'm sorry, I'm an Apple fanboy. But like other uh, software providers, they are notorious at endlessly changing the programs you use. You know, so I used to uh, edit, and I will probably edit this podcast on GarageBand. And I, it was quite an old version, but I knew how to make a podcast relatively quickly. Um, now, of course, GarageBand has moved on. 
and uh, much more functional. Brilliant if you want to be a recording artist in your own garage um, and you want all the bells and whistles. But frankly, I was happy with my whole version of Garage Band. And uh, it's going to take me a little while to see if I can edit this into some sort of shape. Anyway, that's a first world problem. And uh, in the current climate, not one I should be bemoaning. So, um, it's interesting work-wise at the moment. Uh, I'm still doing, I have still been doing ceremonies. Um, I've got two funerals to take this week, but I think there'll be a huge curtailment now in that work because my crematorium nearby has now said that um, no ceremonies can take place inside the building. Um, they have to simply deliver the coffin to the crematorium and that's that um, I've got another funeral in a bar at a burial ground this week I think that's still planning to go ahead we will keep ourselves at distance several people who are going to be there now will not attend because they are in a vulnerable condition um, so I think my phone on that front will be quiet. Um, the other thing I've done since uh, since I last broadcast is that I've taken on a role in examining um, advanced motorcycling, and uh, I was just in the throes of training at. Um, a higher level of driving so I could also examine advanced car driving tests um, I was really enjoying this driving training um, being instructed by uh, an ex-police instructor who you know you think you can drive don't you you know many of us we've held licenses for a very long time you know, I've had a driving car driving license for the thick end of 50 years now. Um, I've got a clean license, it's always been clean. I've, um, I won't say I've never had a, a little knock. I think I've had three knocks, but I've never had a serious crash. Um, and yeah, I say I thought, well, oh, I'm a reasonably reasonably competent driver. I'm strange, you know, that most people, about 85% of people think that they're above average at driving. That's statistically impossible. Um, but driving, like many things in life, it's a variable feat, isn't it? One day you can be perfectly good and competent and the, another day you can make a silly error or a misjudgment or or lose your temper. You know, and. Uh, how easy it is to lose one's tempo driving. It's a real art to keep in control of your emotions. And it's also one of the one of the key elements of um, police driver training, you know, is that they have to 
control what they're feeling you know, because you might um, you might be in a high adrenaline charged chase behind somebody who's committed a crime you know, and you're seeking to bring them to justice you might uh, be responding to let's say an ambulance driver responding to the call of a child who's uh, dangerously injured or dangerously unwell uh, you might as a police officer be responding to a call that another officer has been attacked you know and you're your adrenaline's through the roof and um, and this has long been recognized within police driving training and so it's very much geared towards being in control of your emotions and uh, one of the key things they use for this is they talk out loud when they're driving describe what they're seeing what they're doing why they're doing it what the possible outcome might be um, and so I've been, been doing this for a few weeks now and um, I'd have to say it's it is uh, quite a skill um, and that sounds immodest what I mean is I'm trying to develop that skill um, but it certainly keeps you in control of your thought process much more and you think, you know, it didn't make much difference whether you say it out loud or whether it's just an internal monologue. But it is completely different. Completely different. Um, anyway, sadly, of course, all this is on hold at the moment. My, my driving instructor, his, his wife, um, would uh, be very compromised if she were to be, uh, if she were to contract COVID-19. So, you know, I've got to have regard of her condition and their condition. So even though we both might feel well, you know, it's the whole, um, whole fallacy that COVID leads us into, you know, and, uh, and as I said earlier, if COVID gets a grip, it will overwhelm. Our, um, our NHS you know if we have a fully functioning NHS which is able to deal just with a steady flow of cases then the mortality rate of COVID will be what has been predicted you know between one and perhaps three percent um, once it starts getting over 5 and 10%, then that's because we have overwhelmed the medical structures in place to support the treatment of people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm out walking, I'm maintaining my social distance, I'm not in a crowded public area this is a very quiet footpath I haven't seen uh, I've seen one cyclist on this footpath so far one other pedestrian who'll be passed at some distance so we've got to be wise we've got to heed the advice of experts and even 
even when they're struggling to agree on everything. We've got to listen to what is the most wise counsel that we're hearing. Uh, don't ignore this, folks. Um, I suppose I'm immensely grateful that at home I have a treadmill and my sauna and my rowing machine, so even if we're on complete lockdown, I can still have some exercise. Uh, don't know what you're doing with your lockdown time, if you're in it, or if you're still able to work, whatever's going on. Um, certainly, yeah, it's, it's forced us to complete a task. Well, I say complete, we're all we're about halfway through, but to begin the task, we have a shower in our bathroom, which, um, yeah, like showers all the time, they over the years the the grouting and the sealant gets a bit grubby and uh, you think oh we do need to replace that and it's one of those jobs that there are well, I don't know many people in this world who enjoy refurbishing showers certainly it's not my greatest pleasure but we thought you know what this has got to be done the whole of the house really because we generally we're so busy with things so involved with everything that's going on around us and friends family um, some work our motorcycling work has been hugely pleasurable I'd, that we don't often spend the time good morning maintaining uh, the house to perhaps a standard that you would call a show home, let's say. <laughs> Far from that. But uh, now it's got a bit of time, we'll, we'll do a bit of decorating while we can. A bit of sprucing up. I've got to try and have a positive outcome to this period of time. Um, yeah, I just suddenly thought though as I was uh, talking about what we're doing and uh, being busy. The significant change for Gina is that um, she has become a trustee for the organisation IAM Road Smart, which is um, it's the advanced riding and driving charity that we've uh, done our motorcycling and then driving with. Um, very much a a road safety charity um, very much works to improve people's use of the roads really their their sense of safety their sense of skill their um their regard for each other in this mass transport system that we've become so familiar with globally and yet you know, still is responsible for killing a lot of people. You know, you think what we're putting into place to deal with COVID-19, and rightly so, I'm not saying we shouldn't, of course I'm not. But you know, for years now in Britain we've tolerated 
a level of road death at around 1,700 to 2,000 people a year in Britain have been dying. And you think, gosh, there's an awful lot of people, an awful lot of families afflicted by this tragic and sudden death. But um, really, we could be addressing, we could be doing things to make our roads safer places. Uh, yeah, if you want to uh, drive or ride very fast, then we have racing circuits where you can go and buy some time there and experience that. Um, and it's not all about simply about the speed you're traveling at but um, I remember listening to the author of the book Mind Driving Stephen Haley I think his name is and he posits that um, every collision on the road has either one or a combination of three simple elements and it's speed, space and surprise um, and if you can just have regard for those three components now speed is the one that always gets concentrated on um, and you know we are unfortunately now in this country blighted by endless speed limit changes um, endless uh, speed limits that really haven't helped in the way that you might have thought because you know because I'm a member um, an active member of a road charity organization and indeed I examine people for their membership of this and you know their um, their skill improvement i am very conscious of speed limits and i have regard for them but if i'm on a some of the roads locally here or across the country and the speed limit has been reduced let's say to 40 40 is a common 40 miles per hour now I'm talking about. Now, 30 miles an hour through a built-up village, that's, or town, they are generally understood, generally accepted, generally respected. Not always, but generally. But, you know, there's a road not far from me here that used to be a 60 mile an hour A road. It now has a large section of it restricted to 40 miles an hour. And I will go along it at 40. Vehicles behind me will be climbing all over my back to get past. Um, now, at some point, me being sanctimonious and saying, well, I'm doing 40 and you shouldn't be trying to pass me. 
you know that's what that's they've that's what they're doing because they feel frustrated and frustration is not a good thing in a driver so they will then quite likely end up completing a somewhat dangerous overtake limited view and uh, opportunity but nonetheless completing it because they are frustrated so they they end up introducing space and surprise issues and probably speed issues into their driving which wouldn't have been there if we'd been doing collectively a slightly higher speed of 50 or 60. Oh, this is a difficult area and one that um, I think about a lot as to how we might try and improve our road usage. Well anyway I've come to the end of my walk now I've only done three miles today so um, yeah, just uh, 44 minutes 21 seconds for just over three miles so that's that's reasonable that's my sort of normal walk, walking pace so I'll see if this these ramblings make any sense at all when I listen back to them and if they're uh, half reasonable I'll stick them up as an episode of Spice. Thank you to all those who over the last couple of years have said quite often we'd love to hear another episode and um, anyway in strange times I hope that this uh, I can't say it's been worth the wait that sounds far too pretentious but I hope that at least it's it's occupied your thoughts for a moment or two. Everybody please take care please look after yourselves and your loved ones if you can run with joy walk with joy do everything with joy just find humor and a bit of humility in life and yeah try and understand the way that everybody else is feeling I think some people will, will act and react in ways that we struggle to understand but we're not in their shoes and that is always a far different place from where we are anyway I'm gonna call a halt now so again let me just say love and best wishes to you all and run with joy Full of places